today, we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Arguably, I don't care whether you're Christian, non-Christian, arguably the greatest sermon, message, talk, speech ever given by arguably the greatest communicator ever to live, and that was Jesus himself. And so we're continuing that today as we're looking at what it is that Jesus had to say. Now, Jesus follows a pretty good principle that a lot of, it's pretty good advice for any public speaker. And that is to tell people what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them what you told them. And that's exactly what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, I thought we would begin today by just playing a little game called... um, What's the point Jesus is making? I just made that up. (laughs) I'm going to give you a verse in the first chapter. So Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5 through 7. I'm going to give you a verse in chapter 5. I'll give you a verse in chapter 6, the the middle part of the message. And then where where we've gotten to today, we're going to close the message in chapter 7. In the beginning, Jesus begins his Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes or these kingdom blessings. Blessed are. And here's where he begins. He says, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. That's the first one. Here's the second one from Matthew chapter six. If you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Are you starting to catch on? Matthew seven, this is where we're gonna begin today. Matthew seven, verse one. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. What do you think the message is? There was a Christian organization that did uh, a national survey, and they surveyed non-Christians only. And so they they surveyed these non-Christians, and the, the question in the survey was, what one word best describes the Christians that you know? Well, unfortunately, it wasn't the words that we might hope, like joyful, I would have taken joyful, generous, or loving. No, can you imagine the one word that was submitted more times than not? Oh, you guys are good. Either y'all were here last hour, or y'all really need to hear this message, because you're right. The word that was submitted more times than any other was judgmental. Now, Maybe that's why Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, is the most quoted verse in all of the Bible today. You say, well, wouldn't that be like John 3, 6? Well, no, 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 no. People who've never read the Bible quote the Bible, and they quote this verse. Don't judge. Has anyone, had, anyone quoted this to you? Don't judge. And yes, Jesus said, don't judge. The measure that you use will be used to you. Now, most of the time when people quote this verse, it's because somebody is trying to correct them and tell them something that they don't want to hear. I know that's when I'm tempted to quote that verse. Hey, don't judge, right? But is Jesus saying, don't make judgment? Is he saying, don't discern? Well, no, that wouldn't make any sense because Jesus would have been breaking that command his whole life with just about every word he ever spoke. Of course, Jesus believed in making judgment where there was right or wrong or 
discerning where there's right or wrong, absolute truth. He did it his entire life. He still stands for that. He is that absolute truth. So obviously he would not be making a statement like that. But how do we do that? So here's our cultural opportunity today. This this is where we are. This is our cultural moment. And it's not just a cultural moment, but this is the moment in your home, parents with your kids. This is the moment at work. And here's what we are called to do. And that is to make judgments without being judgmental. Jesus is not saying don't make judgments about right or wrong. He is speaking to a spirit of judgmentalism. He is speaking against self-righteousness, condemnation, judging harshly. Do not judge harshly is what Jesus is saying. But make judgments without being judgmental. Now, how do we do that? What what does that look like in, in real life? How do we do that? This... This message today, I'm just telling you, it's gonna bring up some questions for you. You're gonna walk out of here today and you're gonna be going, am I being judgmental or am I just making a judgment? Had a guy out in the, out in the lobby, he goes, I don't know, help me out here. <laughs> he said, he said am, I, am I being judgmental? I just, maybe I'm old fashioned, but I don't think I'm being judgmental. He said, but you know, I just kind of feel like, you know, maybe at, at church, you know, people should not wear untucked shirts. I said, well, hold on a second. I'll get back to you on that. You're going to have questions today. Is this crossing the line or is, is this what God's called us to do to make good judgment about right or wrong or am I crossing that line into just being judgmental? Well, lucky for you, Jesus addresses this and he is very practical about this. Today he's going to show us this. Now, how do we make judgments without being judgmental? In a word, And this is the theme that we see, one of the primary themes that we see running through the Sermon on the Mount, and it is this. In a word, it's mercy. It's mercy. James, the brother of Jesus, echoed these thoughts from Jesus. Look at what James says. So you must show mercy to others, or God will not, here it is again, or God will not show mercy to you when he judges you. But the person who shows mercy can stand without fear at the judgment. Maybe the version in your Bible says this, mercy triumphs over judgment. But how? How can we make judgments without being judgmental? How can we show the world that mercy does in fact triumph over judgment? Well, today Jesus is gonna show us that as he continues through the Sermon on the Mount. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter seven. And this is the first thing that that Jesus points us to. You have to receive mercy first. You cannot show mercy as much as you want to. You cannot show mercy if you have not received mercy first. In fact, Jesus wanted to make a point of this. So he gives this little story. You're gonna love this. Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first, first 
Take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. You can't show mercy until you have received mercy. What, is it, what does it look like for someone to try to pass judgment or even correct someone if they've not received mercy first? This is what it looks like. Now, this, this reminds me a little bit of the guy who was driving down the highway. And while he was driving, uh, he got a, a frantic call from his wife. And his wife called him and said, honey, I do not want to alarm you, but I just heard on the radio there was a crazy guy driving the wrong way down the highway. He was just equally as frantic. He said, oh, sweetheart, you don't even know the half of it. It's not just one guy. It's hundreds. <laughs> I was waiting for that one. I was waiting for the one that was going to get it like 10 seconds left. Now, that, <laughs> hey, I try all this out on my kids and sometimes it takes forever. I'm like, well, forget that one. I'm not doing that one. Listen, this, this is what it looks, I mean, can you imagine, who can say that Jesus does not have a sense of humor? He tells a story about someone who wants to help someone. That's, that's their motive, right? They want to help get this speck out of someone's eye, but they've got like this, this plank, this beam, this, this tuba for sticking out of their eye. Can you imagine right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount or right here towards the end, Jesus starts telling this story. They're like, that's, that's kind of weird, especially the part where the guy with the plank sticking out of his eye, he walks up to the other guy and he goes, look, I don't want to embarrass you, but you got a little something right here. Listen, doesn't have to be a thing. Doesn't have to be weird. I got an eye doctor that I go and see, and he's fixed me up good. You want me to give it? No, I don't want to see. Well, yeah, I want to see an eye doctor, but I don't want to see your eye doctor. And, and listen, this is the way it plays out in our society, guys, because if we are as Christians, now I'm speaking right now to the, to the Christians in the room, to the Christians listening online. If we're down on life, if we are... If we're down on everybody else, especially if we're down on the people who don't think like we do, or even worse, we begin to demonize this one as if we don't really know who the real enemy is, but as if flesh and blood in front of us is the enemy. When we start to do that, when we start to lay on the horn because somebody forgot to turn on their blinker, when we start to... to to yell at the person in the, the express aisle, they got 15 items and it clearly marked 10 items or less. <laughs> or we post something derogatory and then we want to say to the world, hey, I'm Christian, don't you want to be Christian too? And the world's going, I don't know. You're like, Jesus is my doctor and he's fixed me up good. He can change your life too. You want to meet Jesus. Is it any wonder why there's just a little bit of resistance at times. And it's not resistance to Jesus, it's resistance to us. Because we've gone beyond making judgment of right and wrong, and we've become a spirit of judgmentalism. And it comes from that place of self-righteousness. Now, here's the thing. You cannot receive you cannot show mercy until you receive mercy first. You cannot receive mercy until you can admit that you desperately need it. Now, 
I know that none of us want to admit this, but there's just this thing in us that has just a little bit of self-righteousness in us. It's a little bit like Luke 18 when uh, the, the publican was, was praying and basically this was his prayer. Oh Lord, thank you. Oh Lord, thank you that I am not like those sinners. And that's the attitude that we can sometimes carry. Oh yes, Lord, I need mercy, but I don't need as much mercy as that guy. And we're not in place to be able to show mercy until we receive it first. We have to be able to admit that we need it. And for some, does anybody in this house need mercy? Just, okay, all right, good. I'm in the right place, first of all. And second of all, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I mean, it's, kind of, it's a little hard, right, to raise your hand and just admit that. I need as much mercy as anyone else. We all drop the ball. I can't help it. I, I kind of relate to the mistake that the 90-year-old uh, woman named Marie, I read about her. Uh, she made a mistake. She was, it was Christmas time, and she was going to start doing her Christmas shopping. She's like, I'm 90 years old. This has just gotten, you know, just crazy. I'm not going to do it this year. So here's what Marie decided to do. She decided that she would uh, write a card, and she would put checks inside all the cards, and she would send those to her family and friends. Well, that was a pretty good idea. Until after Christmas, she was cleaning up around her desk and she saw underneath a stack of papers all the checks that she forgot to send. But it gets worse. She did not forget to send the card. And she had taken time on each card to write, buy your own present. I like that one too. I like that because that's me. I'm just telling you, I like that because I drop the ball. I let people down. I tell someone I'm going to call them and I, oh, I forgot to do that. I misread situations. I think I know something so clearly. Maybe it's a passage of scripture that I'm, I'm interpreting and I think I've got such a great understanding and then I come back to it and I go, Here's the thing, we all need mercy. So don't we owe it to one another to be more patient with one another? To look at ourselves before we start looking down at someone else. And rather, when you're ready and you know you've got the truth and you're, just, you're ready, rather than put somebody in their place Let's be the people who put ourselves in their place. Yes, there is a time to speak up. Yes, there is a time to stand up and speak out. But before you do, check your motives, check your mercy, and make sure that you have received mercy first. And then you're ready for the second thing that Jesus points us to, and it's this. Ask for open doors. Look at what Jesus says as he continues to speak. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now, what is, what is, what is sacred? What are the pearls? I mean, this might be a word of correction that you want to give someone. Has anyone ever tried to give a word of correction to someone 
at the wrong time. The right word at the wrong time. How did that go? Parents, how did that go with your kids? Not so good. He continues, ask. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, that door is going to be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now, in the context here, the context of this open door is an open door to the opportunity to show mercy. It's an open door for restoration to take place. It's an, it's an open door for healing to take place. And Jesus even continues to go on. Now, by the way, who opens the door? It's not me. In fact, what did Jesus say is our job? Is it to open the door? No, it's to ask. It's to seek and it's to knock. And if we will ask and seek and knock, what happens? The door will be open to you. See, Jesus will open that door, but we have to ask to receive. Jesus continues and he goes on to talk about good gifts. Well, one of those gifts might be the right time. See, we have to be discerning about correction and about making judgments. If we want to make judgments without being judgmental, we have to be discerning. In fact, speaking of timing, Proverbs says this. The right word spoken at the right time is as beautiful as gold apples in a silver bowl and a wise warning to someone who will listen. Now, check this out. A wise warning to who? Someone who will listen is as valuable as gold earrings or fine gold jewelry. We have to be discerning. And once you have received mercy first and you have asked for those open doors, then you will have the right motives, a pure heart, and you can move forward to the third thing that Jesus points us to, and that is to be radically generous with mercy. Why radically generous? Because God has been radically generous to us. Radically generous to us. He wasn't just a, a little bit generous. Now, a lot of times when we use that word generous, what do we think of? We think of money, generosity and money. But listen, the currency of God's generosity is not money, it's mercy. It's mercy. God sent his one and only son to be mercy for us, to bring mercy to us. So that we could be mercy to the world around us. Be radically generous. Now, how merciful should we be? Only as merciful as God has been to you. Well, how often do I need to be merciful? Well, only as often as God is merciful to you. And last I checked, his mercies 
are brand new every morning. Every morning. Wow. I'm so glad, aren't you? I'm so glad. Because you know why? I need mercy every morning. You can show mercy every morning because God will renew the mercy that you have to show others. You can do that. And Jesus, he shows us how. How can we make judgments without being judgmental? How can we show the world that mercy will triumph over, over judgment? Well, he sums it up for us. You're probably familiar with this. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Yeah, that's the golden rule. Do unto others. Now, I want you to notice this isn't do unto others so that at some point you can get the result that you want and they will do what you want them to do. Do unto others is about the heart of God. It sums up the law and the prophets. That's Jesus' way of saying it's everything. It sums it all up because mercy is at the heart, the very heart. Jesus is speaking to the heart of the matter. He's been doing this all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. He is, he's, he's going beyond the surface. And he's speaking to the heart of the matter. And the heart of the matter is to make judgments, yes. But to do it without self-righteousness. To do it without condemnation. To do it without judgmentalism. I wonder... If we surveyed the non-Christians around us that know us, and we were to ask them the question, what is the one word that describes the Christians that you know? I wonder what that one word would be for the non-Christians that know me. I envision, well, Jesus envisions a world where that word doesn't come back judgmental. That word would be mercy. Now, you can't, you can't do anything about that for me, but you can sure do that for yourself because here's the thing, and here's the, here's the point of all this. You have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. You have a decision to make. And I'm going to challenge you to make that choice right now. Are you going to choose mercy or are you going to choose judgment? Friend, choose wisely. For the measure you use, it will be used to you. And if you do not show mercy to others, and your Father in heaven will not show mercy to you, you have a choice to make. You have a decision to make. Mercy or judgment. Receive mercy first. Ask for open doors and be radically generous with mercy. Now, that's, that's a pretty practical way to live in the kingdom, but I, I want to get even more practical right now. These are just a few things that you can do this week. Now, first next step I want to suggest to you, it's one that we've been doing. We've been memorizing the Beatitudes or the kingdom blessings. So memorize the seventh kingdom blessing. Uh, by the way, how, how many of you have been memorizing your Beatitudes? Okay, I asked this in the first service. I felt like I needed to do it again. I put you on the spot. I'm sorry for that, but I'm not really sorry for that. Because 
Memorizing scripture is just so important. By the way, uh, we were talking about this in our house, and I was like, are you guys memorizing? Like, I, you know, say this every week, and they're like, no. And, and one of my sons, Landon, he was like, you know what? What I've done, he said, I keep forgetting, and I put the Beatitudes, uh, there's like a screenshot of the Beatitudes on his uh, uh, home screen. So right there, every time he opens up his phone and unlocks it, well, there it is. So anyway, that's free. Uh, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God or children of God. So be memorizing, hiding the word of God in your heart. You know, this was pretty, pretty cool. This morning after the first service, I was out there in the lobby and a lady walked up to me and she said, I'm, I'm really glad we're memorizing the Beatitudes. And she said, um, it was the second week and the second Beatitude is, um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. She had just lost her good friend that week. That good friend that, I mean, she's, she's probably in her, her 90s, but she would, uh, she would pick him up every, every Sunday, and they would sit together here in the services here. And that Sunday, I, I went by and I, I talked to her, and she said, I'm, I'm really, really missing my friend this morning. Sundays were hard. And that particular day, she wanted me to know, it was blessed are those that mourn for they will be comforted. Here's the second thing we can do. This week, I want to encourage you, extend mercy by extending an invitation to Easter weekend. It might be Good Friday service, it might be that Saturday, it might be Sunday, it might be all the above. But if we're going to do this, this is a very practical way that we can uh, extend mercy this week and the next two weeks. But to do so, you're going to need Fresh eyes, or as I like to call it, fresh eyes. Eyes. Never mind, never mind. Okay, here's the thing. I want to I create a, tr a trigger for us, <laughs> the good kind of trigger. Now, this is, the, this is the kind of trigger that when you're out and about and you're talking to someone, I want you to have fresh eyes as you're, where you live, work, learn, and play. It could be that someone says, uh, I'm new around here, okay? I'm new to this job, I'm new to church, I'm new to my faith, I'm new to school, I'm, I'm new around here. Well, you know what? I remember when it was like that for me, I was new, and um, you know, hey, I would love to help you in any way that I can, just, just be helpful, and then maybe it's like, and I really would. I'd love, have you gotten to know people? I mean, I would, I would love to have you join me for Easter weekend. I'd love to, whatever, whatever the ask is, maybe it's the Easter egg celebration or something like that, whatever that is, I'd love for you to join us. I'd love for you to come. We'll, we'll save a seat on Sunday morning. We'd love for you to sit with us. Maybe, maybe that's it. But something, when you hear that, I, I'm new around here. Here's the second thing you might hear. I am not prepared for this. We've all been there. We run into people where we live, work, learn, and play who are here. I am not prepared for this. Or I was not prepared for this. Okay? I was not prepared for my last child to, to graduate this year. I was not prepared for that diagnosis. I was not prepared for uh, losing my job. I was not prepared for um, this, something in the life that, that they're just not prepared for. And you can say, you know what? It's maybe something you've experienced, maybe something you haven't. Very interesting, God leads us to people who are experiencing some of the similar things we are. He's good like that. 
But you might say, okay, ding, 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 the bells are going off, there's fresh eyes. Okay, I am not prepared for this. You know what, I remember when I was in that place and I can tell you what helped me. I can tell you a little bit of what made a difference in my life. And I'd love, I'd love for you to come and be a part of what we're doing on Easter weekend. I'd love for you to join me. Here's the third one. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my kids right now. I don't know what to do. I try to do this, and it's never the right thing, and I, I'm struggling uh, at work, or ding, 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 the bells go off. I am struggling. Well, you know what? I struggle too. In fact, you know, I struggle a lot, but this is what's helped me. I can tell you, I can share with you what's helped me. I'd love for you to join us. You see what I'm saying? There, there's something in our interaction that just kind of triggers that for us to invite somebody and to extend mercy by extending an invitation. Now, if you've never received the mercy of Jesus, I want you to, I just want to come back to that. That is your first step. Jesus is God's mercy in the flesh. Come to this earth to die on a cross to save us from our sins. You know the, the Christian message in, in a nutshell. Jesus, he, Jesus was the, the one who could have put us in our place and delivered judgment. But instead he took our place and he delivered mercy. He is the one who could put us in our place and deliver judgment but instead, he took our place and delivered mercy. He's the one we follow. He's the standard. He's the one who says what goes because he's king. May he be the king of your life and may he shape everything in your life this coming week. Let's pray. Father, give us strength. We are your people. We are your um, flawed people. And we know we cross that line many times from making judgment into judgmentalism and we repent. We repent because we want our witness to mean something. We repent because we want to be your salt and your light in this world. Help us, Father. Give us strength. Give us strength. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.